630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Just have to settle for a split in Toronto. The Maple Leafs take this one 4-2. Edmonton down 2-1 going to the third. Got the start they needed in the final frame. Connor McDavid scored just 50 seconds into the third, but John Tavares, a deflection on a power play at 11:46, put Toronto ahead to stay. Mitch Marner added an empty netter in the final second of the third period. So the Oilers record drops to two and four. Toronto ups their mark to four and two. And let's hear from Oilers head coach Dave Tippett. First question, Ryan Shaw, TSN. Dave, can you, you give us a summary of how you think your team played tonight and what, what the difference was? You know, I thought it was a fast-paced game. Both teams played hard, played fast. First period, uh, we had some chances. We didn't capitalize. I thought we got a little ragged in the second period. Uh, in the end, we made two. They got a lucky break on their first goal. The next two were mistakes by us. Poor, uh, poor giveaways in our own end, and then uh, we didn't get in a lane. Taking a taking a penalty in the third and it cost us the game. Coming out of the the losses to Montreal, it, it seemed like you were trying to find something defensively with this group. Overall, looking at these two games, do you think you guys tapped into something a little bit that you're going to need? Uh, last game was was definitely better, but both teams both teams competed hard. They they created chances tonight. Um, you know, last game we didn't. Met, make as many mistakes to put us behind the eight ball tonight i thought we still we made some mistakes that they capitalized on but it's a step in the right direction like we're 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 trying to compete at a level where it gives us a chance to win every night and these two games we've we've done that you know we uh like i say we didn't capitalize on some chances and uh made a couple mistakes and it cost us the game tonight in their hands media Go ahead, Ryan. Okay, thanks, Sean. Uh, James Neal drew in tonight. Uh, how did you think he looked? Maybe both five on five, and if you can comment on his power play work as well. It looked like it was his first game in a while. You know, it's uh, he's a guy that's he should be mucking and grinding, and he was, but uh, you know, he hasn't played in a long time. Timing, uh, timing is something that's going to take a little bit for him to get to get up and going. But uh, we had to get him started sometime. That left shot down beside the net is a different look, and he he seemed to be able to make that work a few times. Yeah, it just it gives a different look to the power play. It's uh, our power play still doesn't look as fluid as it uh, as it was last year, so we'll continue to work on that. Thanks, Dave. Yeah. No additional questions, media. All right, short and sweet from Dave Tippett. After that one, the Maple Leafs win it 4-2. Some of the uh, key stats in this game, the Oilers did outshoot Toronto 32-29. Edmonton 0-2 on the power play. The Leafs were 2-for-2. That was important tonight, though Edmonton did come up with a shorthanded goal. But ultimately, the Oilers just not quite there this evening. Thanks a lot for tuning in. Hope you're having a good Friday, despite the Oilers' loss. Reed Wilkins, Rob Brown on Hartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Well, Rob, um, the Oilers started this road trip hoping to play better defensively, keep down the chances against, keep down the goals against. I think for the most part, they did it. Uh, I mean, they allowed four tonight. The empty netter went in in the final second. They only allowed one on Wednesday. We'll, we'll start on that side of the puck since that's the one we were mostly criticizing after the four-game homestand. How do you feel about that Oilers battle level about some of the defensive play? 
I thought the battle level was good. I thought this was a game that was there for the taking. Uh, one bounce either way, and, and the Oilers could have had the lead late in the third instead of the Maple Leafs. Uh, they weren't as uh, crisp defensively as they were on Wednesday night. There was a few more odd man breaks. You look at the, the Leafs, they had a few two-on-ones, three-on-one there. Uh, so that those breakdowns were still there. They still have to clean up better than the first four games on home ice. But the big play is the one that really seems to to haunt them. And tonight the big mistake was the Larson play behind the goal line where he tried making a soft play to his D partner. He gets picked off. And then all of a sudden you're running around. And when good players get open looks like Nylander did, they make you pay. And that was an absolutely gorgeous uh, setup he made. But it was the Oilers had full control of the puck. And five seconds later, the puck was in their net. So um, mistakes were there, and that's what Dave Tippett talked about. But as far as the the two-game series, I thought the battle level, the compete level, was much higher than we saw in three of the four games on home ice. Yeah, I mean, I think these two. I mean, I would say both these games really could have gone either way. I thought they were they're relatively even. Maybe uh, you know a bounce or two helped Edmonton in uh, Game One. Maybe a bounce or two helped the Leafs tonight. And I thought for Edmonton, Rob, you know, maybe looking back on this one, the first period, I, I would I would give them an advantage in play, probably a few more scoring chances, and they pressed. You know, I thought had some decent pressure and a couple decent looks in the final six minutes. Couldn't cash in, so. You know, you can look at that either way, I suppose, lack of finish or Freddie Anderson just made the stops he needed to. I think it was both. There was a couple great opportunities that the Oilers had that they just muffled their shots. Um, Yamamoto would love to have the two-on-one back. That was a great pass that Drysaddle gave him, and he just didn't get everything he wanted on it. That happens sometimes. I thought Anderson made some big saves as well. He made a fantastic save on the McDavid backhand which at that point would have changed the game. So we've seen so often that if one team gets breaks early and gets scoring chances and they capitalize, they got it goes a lot further for, for a victory. When you don't capitalize, you allow a team to stick around and you know eventually the push is going to come the other way. Uh, breaks, the, and I agree that both games could have gone either way. Game one of this two-game series, the Oilers got some fantastic breaks. Tonight, it was the Toronto Maple Leafs. You just give up a shorthanded goal, the Leafs did. All momentum should be with the Oilers. And then a pass gets deflected off the back of a skate. Wasn't even trying to hit the player that scored the goal. Hits his skate high, and with just enough steam, it gets in behind the goaltender, Koskinen. So that's the break that the Leafs needed, which really stemmed the tide. Because if you kill that penalty and you go plus one on the penalty kill there, you've got momentum for a while there coming out of the, of the, of the kill. They didn't get it. So the Leafs got the breaks they needed. Having said that, to me, it was a much more entertaining game to watch tonight. But on the the Oilers, unfortunately, come out on the short end. 4-2, Toronto takes it. I'm wondering, Rob, and the the shot total tonight isn't bad for Edmonton. They they wind up with, with 32. I, I think if you get north of 30, you're, you're getting some pucks to the net. I'm still watching, you know, through six games now, and there there are still times, though, I, I feel like the Oilers are passing up shots. And, and I know it's easy for me to say, and, and I know we're watching now the last couple of games on TV, you can't always tell the, the spacing between players. You, you, you never know exactly what they're looking at. 
but just sometimes I feel like there's an extra little drop pass, a player who appears to have a better shooting angle, throwing it off to a player down low, and then he can't shoot or it's a lower percentage one-timer. I really thought Tyson Berry would maybe be blasting away both power play and five-on-five for that matter more than more than he has been. Do, do you see, like, are you seeing what I'm seeing or am I making too much of this year? No, I, I think this has been something that the Oilers have been guilty of for, for a number of years where they, they try to make it pretty instead of make it productive. Uh, the Oilers just need to put pucks on that. Now, when you're in a scoring chance or a scoring zone, to me, it's always a shoot-first mentality. There's two players on this team that can change that. McDavid and Dreisaitl, they're allowed the, the leeway to make decisions where you think, okay, they got to shoot here. And then they make that play because they're in the moment. They're in the in a position to see more than most can. So if they want to pass instead of shoot, I have no problem with them at any time in any game. Everyone else, though, should be shoot first. And especially in late in a hockey game, when you're down a goal, everything should be directed at the net. We've seen a number of odd and weird goals scored already this season. We're only five, six games into the year. Put pucks on net. Anything can happen. And what we, we also see is pucks get deflected. Dry settle scores a goal last game, escape, puck gets escape, goes to him wide open net, back door. Tonight, a puck gets tried to be thrown towards it, hits a skate and goes in the net. So if you're late in a hockey game, fire pucks on net because those are the types of things that can happen. I guarantee you, when you're passing the puck around the outside of the rink, those pucks aren't going in the net. So throw pucks on net. I think the Oilers were guilty of that in the last minute. They, they get control of the puck with 40 seconds to go. And they never took the puck to the net until Neil got it down low. And that was probably the lowest um, the lowest option that they had. That, that Of all the things that where they could have put the puck on net from, that was probably the least appropriate place to take the puck to the net. But there was little time left and he had to force something. The other Oilers should have been putting pucks on net earlier in that shift. Yeah, well, and the way they tied it early in the third, I mean, that's just an Ethan Bear point shot. You get it back there, you blast away, and, and McDavid's able to tip it. So, yeah, I, I would still I, – I, I still feel that, that – there are there are chances that look like they might be dangerous and and they're they're literally passed off as as they maybe look to to try something a little too pretty. Four two Toronto takes it tonight. Okay, let let's talk about some moves and perhaps possible moves here as now they move into Winnipeg for two games. The after the Leafs went ahead, basically Rob Yessi Puliyarvi got up on the top line with McDavid and Nugent Hopkins. Cassian got bumped down. We've talked about Cassian a couple times th- this season about what he's bringing or perhaps not bringing. To me, that's a pretty clear message from Dave Tippett saying, we need a goal. We need to tie the game. Cassian, you're no longer my first choice. I'm, I'm going to give Puliyarvi a chance. I wonder if that is an option possibly to start the game on Sunday against the Jets. Uh, certainly, uh, it's in Dave Tippett's mind now. Uh, we're six, game in, six games into the season. I think Cassian's missed one. So he's five games in. I don't know if he's got a point on the year. And you're playing on the number one line with uh, everybody's favorite to win the scoring title. Pucks have to go in the net. And if they're not, there's got to be other things that you create. Now, there were parts of Cassian's game tonight that were better. I thought he, he moved the puck better. I thought he got pucks in deep. But there was a shift... I can't remember when it was, but he had another chance coming up to the red line. This was in the third period. Had a chance to get the puck in deep. He came up slowly, and it was a soft dump that just made it to the blue line. And he went off and changed, and the Leafs came back the other way and got a scoring chance out of it. They turned it into an odd man rush. Now, I 
don't know if that is when or why Dave Tippett made the change, but those are things you can't do. You've got to get pucks in deep. You can't be soft on a play, and especially if you're a player uh, that's supposed to be a, a tough player to play against. You're supposed to make all the hard plays. So, uh, Pugliarvi, again, this is six games in. I don't think he thinks the game quick enough to play with Connor McDavid, but he right now might be the best option to play on his right side. His work ethic, he has come with a completely different work ethic. He's come with a completely different body language than he had the last time he was there. He's he, he's changed the type of way he's playing. He's not playing his perimeter. Now he's like, he's in front of that. He's battling. When you battle, when you're hanging out in front of the net, pucks eventually are going to go in for you. So, yeah, I have no problem at all with the way that Cassian has played and the way that Pugliarvi played that they flip-flop going into the next game. Yeah, and, and I mean, unfortunately, and look, obviously, I, I think the main reason the Oilers are where they are is is some poor defending. I think, especially if you look at the the loss to Vancouver, and then that that five one loss to Montreal was was the poorest game of the season. I I thought, but you know, Ken Holland went out and tried to get some more depth. We'll see how it works out, but I, I think we gotta we gotta recognize Rob right now. Uh, Turris has not scored. Pulleyarvi, though, there's been some good moments, has not scored. Cahoon has not scored. Barry has not scored. Uh, you know, we mentioned Casting hasn't scored. Chason played the first five games, hasn't scored. Ennis has played three games, hasn't scored. So I'm not saying that those guys need to have four or five, but I, I think if I were to read that list of players to you, have read it to you before the season and said, okay, six games into the season, what is their total goals? I, I would guess you probably would have said, well, hopefully two or three. Like out of, you know, seven forwards, even if they're on lines two through four, you hope they've chipped in uh, a little bit. And, and, you know, really the only depth forwards who have scored, Shore got the shorthanded breakaway goal, Archibald hit the empty net the other night. Well, if I would have gone through what I've seen in the past with this Oiler team, I might have picked zero because this is a team that seems to always find offense just out of – three or four guys I you th- there's been parts of the third lines game that has been better it has but the, to me the biggest thing is not so much that they're not scoring it's the fact that they continue to give up goals against now tonight the the fourth line was on for the Larson giveaway now that's not on them but there are going to be mistakes made when you're on the ice then you somehow have to respond and all of the third and fourth line players are minus and minus you know threes and fours and fives you can't be a third and fourth line guy and be minus that big on a team uh, that is top heavy. You've got to play even. And most of those are, those lines usually are playing against the other team's third and fourth lines. So it's not as though they're getting bad matchups. They're getting the matchups where they're playing equal number on the other side and they're losing the matchups. If they were to come out of the game, even Steven, the coach is not going to be upset with that. But too many nights, the third and fourth lines have been minus players. And that's where you find trouble. That's where you start to notice the zeros beside your names. Because if it says zero, zero, zero goals, assist points, and then dash four, now you got a bit of a problem. So yeah, the depth has not been as good as Ken Holland and Dave Tipp had hoped for and had expected. Yeah, we'll see if they can uh, start putting a few in the net here as we move along. Toronto wins 4-2 tonight. You can get us at 780-496-0063. We'll go to the phone lines in a few minutes. few minutes. want to get in some more post-game reaction first as we hit 8 o'clock. Whenever the Oilers score five or more in a game, we turn on the Japanese Village Goal Light on 630Ched.com. That's presented by Japanese Village Restaurants, now offering takeout. Please visit jvedmonton.ca for details. Okay, Evan Bouchard. We, we've seen him briefly. 
we know he can pass the puck. We know he can shoot the puck. Still a younger player, but he's with the team. I, I, I'm wondering if it's time. And, and look, we always preface this by saying we, we don't expect a, a young player to come in and, and completely transform the team. But, you know, Yamamoto had a pretty large impact when he came in just over a year ago. It just I, I just feel like, and, and you and Bob touched on it, and I, and I would generally agree, the Oilers need to be getting out of their own end a little swifter or, or they need that pass going to a streaking McDavid or dry a little sooner than it's been getting there. Well, I understand that the problem with you have is who do you pull out? Cuckoo, you're not pulling him out. He's played well. Nurse isn't coming out. I thought bear played much better tonight than, than he had. And I think that uh, it was a learning moment for him when he sat out the game that he sat out. Uh, the only, the player that, I mean, do you pull Larson out? I don't know. Well, if he, I mean, your, he's been, he's been the one that's struggling. I would yeah. think. Well, I agree. He uh, that's the thing. It's it's Larson or no one because the other players that are playing. I thought Russell's come in and played well. So it, it's do you want to pull out Larson, Larson and put in Bouchard? I don't think they do. I honestly don't. Um, so I don't think Bouchard will play uh, against the Jets in the first game. My guess is Bouchard's first opportunity to play will probably be when uh, a defenseman gets hurt. But that's just my guess. You think they'd wait that long, eh? Because you still got Jones sitting in the wings too, yeah. and he played the first four games of the season, or three games, was it four games of the season? Yeah, I mean, it's, well, to me, the old, Larson's the, the guy, and I'm not sure they pull Larson out of the lineup, just of uh, being the veteran that he is, and all of a sudden you get really young. If you pull Larson out and put in a, a Jones or a Bouchard, you're really young on the back end. Now, having said that, it is results-driven, and it depends on how you play, and you should always play your best uh, opportunity. But normally when you put in a, a young player, you put him with a veteran. So I, I don't know. And I don't I don't believe uh, a Bouchard will have as big of an effect as a Yamamoto did. Uh, Yamamoto sparked a line. The back end, I mean, Bouchard, he's just going to try to keep his head above water. Uh, to start his NHL career. Yamamoto got to play with Leon Dreisaitl and play in, a, in, in big minutes in cool situations. It's much harder for a young defenseman to break in. And the one advantage that Bouchard had is he had been playing. Well, that, that, that's uh, over in Europe. That advantage is slowly going away because he's been sitting for a while now. So uh, to, I just, just the watch, I've watched Dave Tippett coached coach over the last year and a bit and I've watched the moves he's made I think he'd be very hesitant to pull Larson out of the lineup to put Bouchard in yet I think they'll give the leashes a little bit longer for Larson but, but, but just to clarify like you're strictly basing that on Larson being an older player because I think if and yep. look I'm not I'm Absolutely. not I'm not just trying to pick on one guy but if, if we just had never watched the Oilers before and knew nothing about the team and watched the first six games and then said okay we got to make a lineup change I might say well you might we might try to see how it looks without number six in there yep no I, I I'm saying it exactly that reason that he's an older player he has a longer leash absolutely all right Maple Leafs win it 4-2 we'll get to some phone calls here in a second but back to Toronto here's Connor McDavid Connor, obviously uh, another tight checking affair at times tonight. Just what do you think the difference was between the win and the loss tonight? Yeah, probably just uh, made one or two more mistakes and, uh, and they capitalized. Um, a good offensive team, you give them uh, 
give them a little sniff, they're gonna they're gonna figure it out. So, um, you know, we uh, made one uh, one too many mistakes. It seemed like, especially towards the end of the game, when you were pushing, you were able to generate a fair amount. Do you feel like you guys were able to to generate enough on the night overall? I liked uh, our first period, and I liked our third period. Um, you know, second period obviously wasn't our best, and, and they found a way to get a couple. Um, you know, we tied the game early in the third, and, and I thought, uh, you know, we pushed uh, all the way through. Um, you know, they, they get a PP and they score, and, uh, and that's the game. Any other questions, media? Jared, still won't have audio for you. All right. Well, heck, Ryan Rashog running the show tonight. I'm going to have to get that guy a... Uh... Uh, just a small fries when we can go to the concessions again at Rogers Place. Not a large. Uh, 7804960063 if you want to chime in. The uh, the Leafs win it 4-2. So their record goes to 4-2. Uh, and two. The Oilers drop to 2-4. Uh, and four. Uh, Just couldn't quite get it done tonight. The Leafs scored on both their power plays. The Oilers were 0-2. Though Leon Dreisaitl did get a shorthanded goal tonight in his second goal of the season and uh, Yamamoto wound up earning it. Originally they didn't credit Yamamoto with an assist on that one, Rob, because the leaf did briefly have the puck before. Was it Riley that he took it off of? Who was that? I think it was, I don't know. I thought it was a bigger defense, but I'm not sure it was, but Yamamoto certainly deserved an assist on. He made the play a fantastic Yamamoto. Again, he's played six games. He's had five excellent games thus far to start the season. All right, let's go to the phones. We got Robert standing by. Robert, hope you're having a good day, buddy. What's on your mind? Uh, hey, Reed. Hey, Rob. How you doing? Good. Well, uh, you know what? I think uh, you know what. I'm going to be honest. When it comes to you know, when it comes to uh, Bouchard, I think I'd ha- I think I have to agree with Rob. I do. I wouldn't. I wouldn't throw him to the wolves yet, simply because I mean, you know, he is young. He's still he's he is young. He's still developing. He's still. He's still still growing as a player, so I think you know what I think. He, I I think he needs more time. Now, if there's an injury, obviously he goes in. But I I I I wouldn't be I wouldn't be wouldn't be so quick to pull pull Larson out. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the, yeah. I mean, he has the one goal and a glaring you know a glaring mistake. But I mean, you know what? I think uh, overall, I think it, I don't think it was a bad game. They were in it. You know, penalty late in the game. Toronto gets the power play. They take advantage, right? So, I think. Uh, but you know, and uh, and as far and as far as you know, uh, any other potential changes? I think you know what, and you know, and I and I, I also agree with Rob when it comes to uh, Pulleyarvi. I don't think he's. I don't. I don't think he's quite there when it comes to playing on on McDavid's line full time. But I mean, to you know, you know to you know you know to. Uh, you know, you give him a look up there in game when you know Cassian's not getting it done. I'm okay with that, but I think uh, also at the same time, I think uh, eventually, I think this the struggles with the power play will eventually even themselves out. In two and four, through six games, not great, but you know what? I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to panic. Still, 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 50 games to go. Lots of time to get it right. All right. Appreciate it, Robert. Yeah, some good thoughts there. And, and look, and I, I do believe the power play will will improve. Um, I mean, even though we talk about them not scoring and in some games wishing they had more chances, it's not as if they're going through games with zero chances and constantly fumbling the puck and giving it away. I, I, I Again, we've said that we're only six games in. We've probably already said this a hundred times. I just want the puck to the net 
sooner and more often on the power play. They, I mean, there have been quality chances. I just feel like, Rob, if they if they had more of that mentality to get the puck to the net right away, they might get those ugly ones or create more chaos for the defending team. I agree. I, I thought they had some good chances on their power play tonight. It looked dangerous. They had a couple rolled just past the, the, the goalpost. Neil had a great opportunity uh, in an early power play. To me... You've got to use all your weapons if you're going to be an effective power play. And the opposition team has to respect all your weapons. And the one weapon they haven't used is they haven't used Barry's one-timer. And I would I would start almost every power play by getting it either to Drysettler or McDavid, whoever's on the high boards, have them fake down low and find Barry for a one-timer from the slot. It just opens so much up. And then you can start creating things. If there's chaos after a shot, the Oilers have got the players that are going to be able to create things off of that chaos. So to me, every single power play in the first 20 seconds would have a, a Tyson Berry one-timer from the point. Now that you start to open up the other team's box because now they got to respect that and move a player higher up to cover that. That's the one weapon that they haven't used yet. And the you, so you're turning it really into a four-on-four because no one's respecting Berry up top because he hasn't shot yet. That'll be our adjustment of the game for Alberta's chiropractors. If it hurts, see a chiropractor, visit albertachiro.com. 780-496-0063. We have John standing by. John, thank you very much for phoning in. What's on your mind, man? Well, for starters, I guess I'm a little bit disappointed that we lost because every time we lose, I have to hear Stoffer talk about how if we were in a different division next year or this year, we'd have a better chance at the playoffs. <laughs> but um, you don't like the what ifs, eh? <laughs> yeah, well, you know, Stoffer and his excuses. Um, anyhow, I, I just kind of echo what you guys were saying. Um, I know it's early, but it, it's starting to kind of scare me that we're looking again like a two-line team because we've got about four players with nine goals, and I think the rest of the team's got like four or five. So hopefully we can get a little more balance, but I'm getting a little bit nervous about that. Um, and then, you know, Larson, I mean, I hate to pile on the guy, but for a guy who's supposedly a defensive defenseman, I just, I shake my head at some of the stuff he does in his own end. Like this isn't the first game you, you guys, you guys already talked about it enough, but, um, I was going to ask you guys, what do you think about putting a uh, new dry and Yamamoto back together? Just to get oh, one oh. line kick started. <laughs> Have you ever listened to me on the radio in no, the last? <laughs> no, I, I, no, no, I know. I've been here, and I just, I mean, is Tippett not? I know, I know. You guys have beaten, you've been beating the drum, Reed. But like, why won't Tippett do it? I like, you know, he's a good coach, but he seems pretty stubborn on this. I don't get it. Yeah, no, that's I, a good question. I, I, Go ahead, Rob. Sorry. Very good. And, and when when the first when they first broke that line up, we were first shocked and dismayed Reed yeah. and I because we were like okay wait a second that's the best line in the NHL right now uh, personally I think part of it is uh, McDavid enjoys playing with Nugent Hopkins I think that's part of it two this is a team that's got four good offensive players and then there's a huge drop off if you look at one through four all four are good and that's including Yamamoto after Yamamoto it is a big big drop off like we're talking a cliff between number four and number five so if you have your second third and fourth best offensive players playing together now Connor mcdavid who are you going to put with him cassian has struggled cahoon hasn't done anything and he's been playing on a line that's playing well pooley has got zero goals this year he's got one foot assist 
So now you got McDavid, who is supposed to be the best player in the world, and you're giving him nobody to play with. So I think that is why they're reluctant to to put those three together is because Connor McDavid is going to be playing with two guys that will have zero goals and zero points as his line mates. And, I, and it, for me, it, if you're going to do it, Connor's the one guy that can play by himself because he creates a lot of chances out of nothing and he creates a lot of stuff by himself. But if if you've got a star player, a superstar player, the best in the world, and you're telling him, all right, you know what, we're going to play you with a couple of third, fourth liners because we want another line going, it's a tough sell for a coach. Yeah, it's it's a really good question. And I, I think, too, and, we, and we've touched on this a bit, too, before, Rob, that I, I do think this isn't just a Dave Tippett decision. I think it's, it's an organizational decision that that's how they want to balance the lines. And I'm not saying Ken Holland is picking the lines, but GMs and coaches are going to talk theory, strengths, long-term, and, and things like that. And, and I think, first of all, they decided, okay, long-term, uh, McDavid and Dreisaitl have to be on different lines, and they've, they've stuck with that, except for the odd time they get put together or after a penalty mm-hmm. kill. And then I think that this is part of that, that overall concept in terms of how they're trying to balance the – the top six and unfortunately rob right now and we hope it changes there is a drop off from the fourth best offensive player to to the fifth and you know they as we were talking about earlier they need tourists to score they need um you know cahoon to score whoever it is they need a couple other guys at least at the very least chipping in so that's why we're still kind of having the same discussion that we've had for 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 quite a while right now some of the some of the offseason moves haven't necessarily uh played to the potential that, that was being hoped for sure Four two toronto takes it tonight uh we will get to uh, alex in a second who's also going to finish the play but let's go back to toronto for mattress superstore give them five minutes and they'll give you the best sleep of your life take the sleepology body scan and take the guesswork out of buying a mattress here's the nooch Brian, you can just start by giving us your thoughts on how you think your team played tonight and what, what the difference was. I mean, overall, <clears throat> it wasn't a terrible game by us. Um, I thought we had stretches where we could have uh, played a little better, but in the end, we just, uh, I mean, they get two on the power play, a fortunate bounce for the first one, but um, just that late one on the power play. So uh, obviously that's the difference maker and um, definitely it wasn't a lack of effort. Um, if anything, just limit some of the mistakes out there. But um, I mean, we're all uh, we're all working as hard as we can out there. It's just uh, got to keep that going for 60 every night. Coming off your those losses to Montreal, it, it seemed like you guys needed to find something defensively in your game. If you evaluate the last two, do you think you guys, you know, tap into something that, that you wanted to and that you're going to need? Yeah, I mean, I think overall uh, it's pretty obvious that our defensive game was a lot better um, than any of the first four games. Um, even our second game against Vancouver, we played a lot better. But I thought uh, the past couple nights overall, um, definitely we shut things down a lot better and didn't give up as much. And um, again, I mean, just small little breakdowns and uh, teams are teams are so good. Players are so good that they'll take advantage of that. So got to limit that. But overall, I thought uh, our defensive plays come along. Next question, Luke Fox, Sportsnet. Hi, Ryan. What have you noticed about... Sorry, go ahead, Luke. You lost your halfway through. Okay, Ryan, uh, what what have you noticed this season about the schedule, about playing 
two team, uh, one team twice in a row. Does the second game take on a, a, a bit of a different feel? Uh, yeah, I mean, we've kind of found that so far. Um, usually whoever takes the first game. The other team, uh, I mean, we've we've seen it pretty much in uh, all three little mini series here. Uh, the second game, uh, the team lost, comes up flying. So um, you have to prepare for that. Um, I thought tonight we had a good opportunity to uh, to take a couple more points, and um, I mean, we couldn't we couldn't get it done. But um, <clears throat> we got to learn from this and uh, make sure we have the exact same effort um, both nights, or even I mean, we start playing teams. Um, couple times we play three games in a row so it's going to be important to to bear down in every uh, every single night how would you assess your team's special teams so far i mean obviously power play um we got one the other night but we can still we can still improve um we know where where we can be and we got to get back to that level um pk i mean uh unfortunate bounce tonight and then uh, just i mean Teams are going to make some good plays sometimes, and uh, that's kind of what we saw on the on their third one. Um, but I think uh, we can still clean it up on the PK. But I think overall, it's uh, it's been okay so far. But obviously, uh, room to grow. All right, that's Ryan Nugent Hopkins. His post game reaction for Mattress Superstore Nugent with an assist on the goal early in the third period. He got it back to Ethan Bear, whose point shot was tipped in by Connor McDavid. That tied it two two. But Tavares. Got a power play goal, Marner, an empty netter right in the final second. So Toronto wins the game 4-2. This texture says, Rob, and this is an interesting discussion too. Uh, This texture writes in and says, wouldn't Rust and Gensel be third liners if Crosby wasn't their centerman? Um, Uh, I think Rust would. I don't think Gensel would. I think Rust would be, yes. You think Gensel's a top six guy for sure? Oh, absolutely he is. Yeah. Didn't he have 40 the other uh, Yeah, year? fair so enough. Like he, 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 yeah, yeah, he, he can put it in. No, there's there's no – there's Gensel be Gensel be on the first line in Edmonton. Okay, but I think but I think what that texture is saying, yes, you need good wingers to play with McDavid, but does it also not behoove McDavid to find a way to turn perhaps average players into more prolific I scores? Don't, I don't think Gensel's an average player. I think Gensel. Okay, but no, let's top. talk. But but okay. theoretically, in terms of what we should expect from Connor and his wingers. No, you got to have someone that can think the game is Connor. I mean, it's no use having the best player in the world if the guys he's playing with can't a keep up, can't b think the game like him, can't get him the puck when he needs it. Uh, go through the lineup. Who do you think that if if they take Nugent Hopkins away, who can play with Connor McDavid? It's not easy playing with a superstar. It it isn't. And Connor McDavid, whoever plays with him, that line has got to be, what, a goal and a half a game minimum on the course of a season. The others don't have that. Now, yes, star players make players around them better, but those players are guys that are capable of playing in that level. Because there's a lot of guys that have, I mean, just go around the league, the guys that are playing on top lines uh, would be on top lines and other teams as well. So Gensel, Gensel would be a he'd be he'd be the Oilers' best winger if he was on the Edmonton Oilers. That's like he's that good. Rust would be he would be a third or fourth liner if he wasn't playing with Connor McDavid. He just has attributes to make him better. But you need at least one guy that can think the game. I watched the the end of the Penguin game today. Gensel was out in overtime, had a great chance. Like he is a good hockey player. So that's not that wouldn't be a good comparison. But there are players that move up. I mean, you, there's no one on the Oilers. If you take away any of the top four, they can think the game and play at that level on a consistent basis. I mean, Cassian, he's getting the the chance of a lifetime. And here we are six games into the season, he's got no points. 
So if it was that easy, you would think that McDavid would have bounced about six off. And McDavid gave Kaskin a wide open net the other day. He wasn't able to capitalize. So, I mean, that's McDavid's gives guys chances. Drysdale give guys chances. They still got to put the puck in the net. All right, 4-2, the Maple Leafs win it tonight. Uh, 780-496-0063, we have Alex standing by. Alex, you're also going to finish the play, so hang on for the clue after your call here, but what's on your mind? Uh, well, lots on my mind, and I think, uh, when is Calgary playing us? Because I tell you, we need to get our noses bloody here, and uh, I, I got something to say. Like, I know we're all waiting for, uh, you know, the games to happen, the COVID and everything like that. I just don't feel it. You know, I don't get it. But without fans in the building, like even on TV or the radio, you know, and the stuff, I'll say this. Like, I work up in, uh, north of uh, Fort McMurray, and I won't say company what I work with, but we're all guys there, you know, and gals that wait for the game. And then we all go to our rooms because it's COVID, right? We're all alone in our little rooms, and we got to watch TV. And, and we put on the game, and guess what? I just don't feel it yet. We need Calgary in a big way. Let's get our noses bloody. It's, it's a long season, and... All the teams are going for it, the same old thing. And But i got to say this, okay? I put a poll on there, I think it was last month, I said, who won the Cup last year? I swear, no one, only a couple of people out of 20 or 30 said, uh, 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 yeah. was it the Lightning? You see what I mean? There's nothing rememberable of last year's Cup. I don't remember any bloody noses. I don't remember any... Uh, uh, you know, bad calls or this call or any scraps, whatever, until we get Calgary and get our noses bloody and get some heart in there. And I guess I'm going on and on. And uh, It's okay. I, February yeah. 6th, buddy. Six more games. Right on. Then they play Calgary. But the, right hopefully, they, hopefully they bank some uh, wins in the meantime. Alex, yeah, uh, hang on. Hang on. Just for playing Finish the Play, we're going to get okay. you a Hungry Herd premium sampler box. Hungry Herd, top quality meats delivered right to your door at everyday low prices. Alberta owned and operated. Here is your finish the play clue. Pinching down was Hall, and the puck comes up the left wing, and it comes dry sidling over the line with Yamamoto. To Yamamoto, the shot, and a good stop by Anderson sliding across. All right, that was a uh, that's the chance right in the first period of the hockey game for Kyler Yamamoto, who is doing uh, very well this season. Uh, Alex, in what round? All you have to give me is the round. In what round did the Oilers draft Kyler Yamamoto in 2017? Uh, 22nd overall in the first round. You are absolutely dead on. Hang on the line. Your name is going into the grand prize draw for a $1,000 gift certificate to Visions Electronics. That is brought to you by PF Custom Countertops. Support local with a PF renovation. Get started at pfcustomcountertops.com. The Oilers play at Winnipeg twice, home to Toronto twice, home to Ottawa twice, and then they play uh, Calgary. That is on Saturday, February 6th. I, ho I hope they don't need to wait that long until they feel like they uh, are in the season or, or get, getting some intensity and, and stuff like that. No, I hope not. I mean, obviously, uh, a Calgary match is fun to watch for the fans. I, I, I thought the, the Oilers need to be competitive every game. I think the one thing that we've talked about and everyone across uh, all the pundits uh, across Canada when they talk about the Canadian division is the top six teams in this division are going to be very, very close. And I think that we saw that in this these two games against Toronto. I, uh, the Oilers, I don't believe, are 
marginally are a lot better than Toronto. I don't think Toronto's a lot better than Edmonton. I think both the games are going to be close, and whichever team gets the bounce that night is going to win the hockey game. And I think that's what we saw in these two games. I thought both games were even. The Oilers got the bounces Wednesday. I think tonight Toronto got the bounces. And I think that's what we're going to see for, for the most of the season against the majority of the teams. I think it's that close. The Ottawa Senators are going to come in and they're going to surprise teams. They're going to get wins. So to me, I thought, in all honesty, I thought the two Tor Toronto games here, this two-game series was a step forward for the Oilers after what we saw on home ice. Uh, they were dominated against the Montreal Canadiens. I thought these well, games were much closer. Yeah, sorry, Rob. And that to, the problem, real the the problem game is the first game to Montreal, the the yep. five one loss. Where you know, even looking back, I, I think that three one loss, it looked worse perhaps because of the game it followed up. I, I think if that three one loss were a game halfway through the season where the Oilers had won three in a row going in, you might think, ah, well, you know, they, they couldn't quite do it tonight. But the 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 biggest problem game was that was that five one loss. And to me, you know, if you would have won that one, you're, you're three and three, which still isn't a great record, but you're more in the in the middle of the pack. Uh, somebody wrote in here, it, just just to more on this. Uh, I, I know some fans call it the, the the dynamic line or the dynamite line or the dry line. It's mm -hmm. right, settle Nugent Hopkins Yamamoto. This texture said, "What happened that made Tippett get rid of the line? We were winning, then COVID come to play in the playoffs, and then no dynamic line." I should clarify. The final game before the shutdown in March, that line was broken up. Ennis uh, was on that line, and McDavid was moved up for that game. So that's what I mean. I think it was, it was part of this plan to balance the lines a little more. And I think at that point, there was. was so that was the sorry, Rob. What didn't McDavid just come? Wasn't McDavid out and he came back, and that's why they changed the lines? I think he'd come back before that, hadn't he? Was that was that just his well, first game back against the Jets? He did was... miss time in February. Yeah, and I think that he had I'll come just double back, check so his just... game log. Most of the success that they were having as that line was because McDavid was out. Well he only missed getting... he only missed seven games. He only missed yeah. seven games. Yeah, I know, and that's and they were having a ton of success, and all of a sudden McDavid comes back and Mc... I'm pretty sure now it my memory is bad from getting hit in the head too many I'm, times. I'm double checking right now. But I know that McDavid wasn't getting the success that he was used to having and they were struggling to find someone to play with him. And that's why I believe that they put, they, they had this, this asset in Connor McDavid that wasn't getting what he needed. And I believe that's why they broke up the line saying, okay, right. both guys he, should have someone to play with. He'd missed the game on March 9th against Vegas, but he'd played everything before that. The, the section mm -hmm. of games that he missed was mid February from the 8th to the 23rd. He played the eighth against Nashville. Remember that's where he got hit behind the net hurt the yep. knee and he came back and, at the Kings. So, so dry side the stats for McDavid though, in the time when he came that to me, it was one of those things where McDavid's line was not doing anything. They had the dry settle line that was having all the success in the world. And then you've got this superstar in McDavid and he was on an Island by himself. And at that point, you're probably as a coaching staff, you're taught what's going wrong. Connor talked to me, things weren't going well with Connor. So let's see if we can get something for Connor so that we can have two lines because they really were just a one-line team.
at that right. point because Connor's line that, was doing right. nothing. And that's why so, they did it. Like people are still yeah. texting and asking why. That is why they did it. Mm-hmm. I, I understand people disagree with it because I disagree with it. Uh, you know, but well, I don't disagree with trying it. I disagree that they're still sticking with it. I think it's time maybe to. And you can always change the lines. You can do. No. You can put the. You can put that line back together for six games and then change again if if you feel. The the, the problem you have right now is. Who are you going to play with Connor McDavid? That's that's the whole issue. The Oilers, there's they just there's if you put three, there's four good players offensively. If you put three on one line, that means one guy's by himself. That'd be the same as if you put Nugent Hopkins with Yamamoto and McDavid. I'm sure that line would be really good. Then Leon Dry settles by himself. So that's why they're trying to go two on each line because that's all they have. They've only got four guys. Now I I'm a huge fan of the the Dry settle Nugent Hopkins Yamamoto line. They, they were fantastic. But I'm saying the reason they're doing it is they got nobody to play with Connor McDavid if they put the other three guys together. Well, Dry Settle's line is still effective, though. I mean, Cahoon oh, isn't as, as, di- as dynamic as Nugent Hopkins, but they're well, still they're just, putting on pressure dynamic, and getting they're goals. They're just not producing. They're not producing because Cahoon has not put the pucks in the net when he's had the opportunities. All right, we got a break for the 8.30 news and weather. We'll get to more of your feedback here as we move along. The Oilers fall 4-2 in Toronto. Along with Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins. It is Heartland Ford, overtime open line on Oilers Radio, 6.30 Chet. All right, the Oilers have lost 4-2 to the Maple Leafs. We'll update the scoreboard for Edmonton Trailer. Looking for parts, service rentals, or new and used semi-trailers, head to edmontontrailer.com. Chicago leading the Red Wings 4-1 very late in the third period in the final minute, so Chicago is going to win that one. About three minutes left in mini. The Wild up 2-1 on the Sharks. After two, Dallas finally playing. Well, Rob, they had a lot of energy and were ready to go. They're up 5-0 on the Predators after two. Late in the second period, Coyotes lead the Golden Knights 3-1. Golden Knights have not lost yet this season. Seven minutes left in the first. Colorado up 1-0 on Anaheim. Donskoy with the goal. The Capitals beat the Sabres 4-3 in a shootout. Capitals haven't lost in regulation. They're 3-0-2. Also in a shootout, Penguins get by the Rangers 4-3. Okay, well, uh, Rob, Jimmy VC got a goal tonight on that setup from Nylander, and uh, that made it 2-1 Leafs at the time. Did you not know, or don't, didn't you know VC's dad or something like this? What's the story there? Actually, I, I know his father quite well, and I know actually little Jimmy. When I played in Phoenix in the minors, I played with Jim VC Senior, and little Jimmy at that point was always running around the dressing room. But the one story I got about Jim Senior when I played in Phoenix in the minors, we had a guy on our team named Keith Redmond. He was a big, tough guy from, I think, the Ontario Hockey League. High draft pick by the LA Kings. He didn't get a shift the entire game. And with about a minute and a half to go in the game, the co- we got a, a too many men on the ice penalty. And the coach sent him over to serve the penalty. He wasn't happy. He hadn't played a shift, and he had to skate across the ice and serve a penalty. After the game, we're coming off the, the ice in the Zamboni area, and this Keith Redmond started yelling at the coach and told him that if he ever embarrassed him like that again, he would kill him. And this coach, Rob Laird, started going back at him. And they started, they went nose to nose. And Keith Redmond was about 6'3", plus on skates, so he's about 6'6". And Rob Laird, who was our coach, was about 5'8". And they got nose to nose as much as you can when there's a difference of height like that and started pushing stuff. And then they started throwing punches. They were going a full fight right in front of the fans, right where you come off the ice. And Jim Vesey Sr. went in to break it up. 
blew his shoulder out and never played another hockey game in his life because he was breaking up a fight between his teammate and his coach right in the Zamboni entrance Jeez. coming on the ice. So, yeah, so I know Jim Vesey quite well, and I remember little Jimmy Vesey when he was just a little kid running around our dressing room. Wow, that's quite a story. You never told me that before. That's, well, I, that's, yeah, that's an awful way to have your career end. Tell me about it. Like, he was oh, he was a good guy. One of the nicest people you've ever met, Jim Vesey. He's just a, a fun guy to be around. And then, yeah, for his hockey career 10, because he was trying to break up a fight. And it was like, it was like crazy like all the fans were hanging over and they're cheering this fight on between the coach and his suit and this team tough guy and i mean there was blood like they they were throwing it was uh yeah just i've got a million minor league stories it uh i what that city was that again both, sorry i was with the phoenix roadrunners oh geez yeah so yeah good times what good were the times what were the, the repercussions minors. for the coach and the player who fought Oh, nothing. It's in the minors. Stuff like that happens <laughs> oh, all the time. Just, <laughs> that was a shake hands the next day of practice. Team. That was in, yeah, well, in Phoenix, when I first got sent from L.A. down to Phoenix to play, my my girlfriend at the time was my wife now. She was coming down the next day. So I'd ask the captain, this Dave Thomas, and i go, Chopper, where's the wives' room? Because every team has a wives' room. That's where the wives come, drop off their coats, purses, where the kids hang out, and they go there between periods. And Dave... Thompson Chopper says, well, we don't have a wives' room. I'm like, why would we not have a wives' room? Well, because last year, uh, the one of our, our backup goalie got called up to the LA Kings. And in the wives' room, after he was called up, the backup goal or the starting goalie's wife said, the only reason your husband got called up is because he sucks and he's not good enough to play down here. So the two wives got into a fist fight in the wives' room and stuff was broken and... Uh, so the owner took away the wise room because the two wives got in, two goalie wives got into a big fight. It was a it was That's... a great place to play. I tell you, I love Phoenix. <laughs> yeah, jeez, forget about the opponents and the opposing fans and spouses. It was, it there were some tough wives. People. There were some tough wives in the wives room over my years. Yeah. <laughs> so that's that's amazing. Uh, we should update this story as well, uh, an ongoing story, I suppose. Pierre LeBrun, of course. Uh, for the uh, athletic and TSN and RDS and the other people reporting on this as well, Robert, he has the most recent tweet. And this is, uh, this is a significant one. He says the Montreal Canadians remain in the mix on Pierre-Luc Dubois, Winnipeg, Anaheim, and Montreal, it would appear at this juncture. Well, the Oilers and the other Canadian teams don't want Winnipeg or Montreal. Dubois is a good player. And, and I remember, uh, you know, Letestu, Mark Letestu wound up there. The Oilers traded him to Nashville and he was a predator for about 15 minutes. And then he finished that year with Columbus. And I, and I talked to him that summer and he said, this kid's a stud. Like he can, he, he said he won't get, you know, he's not going to be maybe a 90 point guy, but he'll get, you know, sixties and seventies and, and he'll, he'll shut it down in his own end and play a very, very complete game. So if he comes to the Canadian now, you'd probably have to give up a fair amount to get him, or you'd have to, you know, mortgage the future a bit with some draft picks, but Dubois is an impressive player. Uh, 49 points in 70 games last year, 61 and 82 the year before. Yeah, I, actually, I played with his father, too, in Chicago, Eric Dubois. Um, the team that, oh, yeah, I would want him to go to Montreal I, for the simple reason is Montreal is got great goaltending. Montreal, I believe, has the best defense in the Canadian division. They're deep up front with four lines that they can roll at any time. The one thing they're missing 
is a is a game changer. And I think Dubois can become a game changer in the National Hockey League. If he goes to Montreal, that would cement their uh, place as the favorite in, in the North Division. Uh, Winnipeg, they've got some players like Alina who's there's been talk for a while that he may get traded. It'd be funny if those two got traded for each other because they were drafted. Uh, weren't they drafted right behind each other or real close in the draft? I think two and four or something along that line because that's the same draft year. So uh, he would help any of the teams that, that he was going to in the Canadian division. So it would not be good for the Edmonton Oilers if we see Dubois get trading north of the border. Yeah, it was Matthews line A Dubois was kind of the surprise pick, right? Oh, that was it. Thought yeah. Pooley Arby would go there, and then the Oilers took Pooley Arby. So, yeah, that that was the year. Uh, yeah, that's 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 a that's a crazy story, and it's just I don't know. Does it just seem strange to you at all that John Tortorella is involved in this somehow? <laughs> no, it doesn't <laughs> seem strange. Fitting, at all that perhaps. He's I, it, it's weird. Like I following it as much as you can obviously uh, it's been a weird year following hockey and we're more interested in the north division than anything uh, as opposed to normal years where you're following the stories everywhere but I, I was reading a story how you know the one game he was benched for you know a lot of the second period of a game and then last game he played three minutes and was benched the entire rest of the game they didn't like one of his shifts uh and then for a player to come and ask to be traded before camp and then continues to play for team, that's got to be hard. It's got to be hard for his teammates. It's got to be hard for him because it's so public. I, I have a hard time when a team or a player makes it public knowledge. It's amazing how many times a player asks to be traded. It happens more time than anyone could ever imagine. And a lot of times it never comes to fruition. Things work out. So you don't see that player get traded, but it's always kept quiet because you don't want the public spectacle. Right now, it's gotten out of hand in Columbus, and it's affecting their team. Because when you start benching Dubois and playing him three and a half minutes a game, that's benching your best player. You're not going to be as an effective hockey team with him sitting on the bench. So uh, I don't. they've never said why. He's never come out and said why. But obviously, to me, it has something to do with the player-coach relationship. And it's too bad because he's a t- player that you can build a franchise around. Whichever franchise gets him, I think you're going to see that kid flourish there because I-, I agree with anyone that has watched him play. You think, okay, this guy's got the potential to be a superstar. Oilers have fallen 4-2 to the Toronto Maple Leafs. Dreisaitl and McDavid had the Oilers' goals. Brooks, his first career NHL goal, VC, Tavares, and then Marner into an empty net scoring for Toronto. We have a couple open lines if you want to chime. The Oilers fall the two and four on the season. Toronto wins it tonight, four two. Just some uh, other stats here to round out the story a little bit. Oilers forty four percent in the faceoff circle. Rob, it's interesting. Drysaitel takes so many faceoffs. The Oilers team percentage usually revolves around how he does because uh, he was only thirty one percent tonight, five out of sixteen. A rare off night for Drysaitel in the circle. Uh, Pulleyarvi was fifty five percent. McDavid fifty three. McDavid had seven shots on goal. Pulleyarvi was next best with four. Uh, Nugent Hopkins and uh, McDavid both play around twenty three and a half minutes. Nurse played twenty four minutes. Barry played twenty five fourteen. Tonight, Devin Shore, the low minute man at 724 for uh, 
the Maple Leafs, you had uh, four shots for Pierre Engvall tonight. He and John Tavares had four each. Tavares, a good night in the dot as well. He went 12 for 20 for 60%. And we should mention the guy we talked about last game did get a point tonight. That Mikheyev, again, uh, he's dangerous killing penalties. I mean, he had a, a couple awesome opportunities in the second period. He's he's a, he's a dangerous player, and he's he's kind of sneaky fast out there, I think. He is, and he creates things out of nothing. Because uh, I think he's normally on the third line, isn't he? I, I, I don't. Every time he's out there, I only notice him. I don't notice any line mate playing with him. Uh, yeah, he's he's a very good penalty killer, and he's a guy that puts fear in you. And it when you're and this is we talked about it during the game, how there's a lot of people saying Marner shouldn't kill penalties because he might get hurt. And then we go out and saw Drysaddle score a goal shorthanded. When you're on a power play and you see the other team's best pleasure, you see guys on the other team that can create offensively, you're a little leery. It, it, it sometimes forces you to change the way you make plays because you you become a little more cautious and a little more safe. And that's never good when you're on a power play, when you start thinking about a play before you make it. And he's a, a perfect example. Every time he was out there, there was that, you're looking over, okay, where is that kid? Because uh, he, he he's made plays against us in the past and, he continues to to make you a little nervous. So, yeah, I thought he had an excellent game. I thought the best leaf in the game uh, by far was Nylander. I thought he was outstanding. Every time he was on the ice, you noticed him. He set up the VC goal, and that was a wonderful pass. He fooled everyone on that one. But he was a guy that, you know, his line mates got elevated, and he was left by himself. And uh, he was he played very well. But you did notice the holes in the lineup. When you take a, a top-heavy player out of your team, all of a sudden the holes are a little bit bigger and you start having some guys you don't really know a whole lot about playing more minutes. And that's what happens when you are top heavy and the Oilers are the same thing. If one of their top players was out, it would elevate guys into different positions. So this was a big win for Toronto because they were able, some of their uh, lesser known players were able to come up big in the absence of a of Matthews. Luke writes in, he says, I think Archibald could play with McDavid. He has speed and is a smart player. And didn't he spend some time on the top line pre-COVID? He did. He went up there in the playoffs. Um, he went up there. Well, he went up there when Cassian missed the game for the mm-hmm. for the birth of his daughter. He, um, he's, he's not, he he's, could. He could go up for for short stir, spit or short amounts of time. He, he He's not a first-line player. He just, he's he's not a guy that you can have long-term at that at that position. And you, you know that because every time he goes up there, uh, once the stars stop shining, he moves back down in the lineup. He's a guy that's a short-term answer. He's not a long-term answer. I mean, the, right. the, the, best, the best possibility would be Cassian, but so far this year and for parts of last year, he hasn't shown he's... Okay, the Oilers beaten 4-2 by the Leafs tonight. John Tavares broke a 2-2 tie with just over eight minutes left in the third period. A tip-in on a power play. Toronto's power play was 2-for-2. Edmonton did get a shorthanded goal, but their power play was uh, 0-for-2. So the Oilers at 2-and-4 will play the Jets on Sunday. Winnipeg's 3-and-1. They have Ottawa tomorrow in the late game on Hockey Night in Canada. So you can check that one out. We'll see if uh, Sunday, if the Oilers come out with any lineup changes or line shuffling. You know, clearly, even though I don't want to, like, I'll warn everybody here, I don't know if you're going to get the lineup change you want in terms of uh, Nugent Hopkins, Dreisaitl, and Yamamoto being back together. But, 
you know, he is he is thinking about it. I, I, going into that game in Toronto, he said, well, the, the game on Wednesday, he said, well, you know, we're going to give it one more game. And they won that game. Uh, and, and now tonight they lose. So there's, there are other combinations or ideas that he has. So I, I just wonder if we will see them. And I know a lot of people, Rob, um, a lot of people want to see Puliyarvi up there with mm-hmm. uh, with McDavid and Nugent Hopkins. A very brief look tonight that generated some zone time. Uh, you know, I wonder. I, you know, I'm hesitant with Puliyarvi because I'm still not sure myself. But I, but I do wonder if he did enough, uh, and other players aren't doing enough. The tip gives him a shot. Well, I think it's more that other players aren't doing enough. Um, th- that was Cassian's spot to lose. Uh, seriously, I mean, this is that was like he was almost like it's written in sharpie on the the board in the coach's office, Cassian in that spot. And you're six games into the season and you're pointless uh, playing with uh, the best player in the world who's supposed to win the scoring title. Uh, that's you've lost that spot. It, 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 if if Dave Tippett makes that change, it's because of what you've done, not what someone else has done to to prove him wrong. So. Uh, yeah, it wouldn't it wouldn't shock me if Puliyarvi's there. I, I think that they've got to start finding ways to to get more offense out of their top two lines. The the dry set of line is creating game in game out. Now they don't have the finish. I don't think Cahoon has the finish as a Nugent Hopkins would have if he was playing with dry sidle. So they're the production's going to be a little bit lower than if they put that line back together. But there's been tonight. I thought both Connor and Leon created grade-A scoring chances for their line mates. They, they, I mean, they easily could have had three points apiece, and the only pucks that went in the net were ones they put in themselves. So uh, when it's not going in, when your your star players are uh, given the opportunities and the opportunities aren't going in for their line mates, that's when you start looking for different line mates. It would not shock me if, yes, he was up there on that line against the Winnipeg Jets. All right, just updating the scoreboard before we go. Blackhawks do finish off the Wings 4-1. The Wild win at home 4-1 against the Sharks. Halfway through the third, it's now 6-0. Dallas up on Nashville. Start of the third, Arizona leading Vegas 3-1. After the first, Colorado with a 1-0 edge on the Ducks, though Anaheim had 18 shots on goal. Capitals over the Sabres 4-3 in a shootout. Penguins over the Rangers 4-3 in a shootout. And right here on 630 Ched, the Maple Leafs beat the Oilers 4-2. You can get more on 630Ched.com. Our next broadcast is Sunday. The face-off show is at 5.30. The game at 7 as the Oilers visit the Winnipeg Jets. Thanks to our game day engineer, Troy Bowler. Your studio operator this evening is Kellen Kennedy. On behalf of Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins. You've been listening to Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Have a great night. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.